Hello dear listeners, starting with this episode we are using a different recording setup, so expect the occasional hiccup in the sound quality. We believe the new setup is beneficial to the program and hope that you enjoy it nonetheless. Now on to the show. Hello and welcome to episode 4 of the Universe Podcast. I'm your host Leo, here with my co-host Ellie. Hello. And our guest Charlotte. Hi. And we're also joined by Livia today. Hi. Hello, everybody. Charlotte, people might already know you as co-host of this show, but still, would you like to introduce yourself? Okay. Uh, My name is Charlotte. I am part of Universe, obviously, otherwise I wouldn't be here. I write since I'm nine years old. Uh, I recently found the first short story I ever wrote and laughed my ass off because it's hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, I'm very glad to be here. Nice to have you here. Today we're starting to mix things up a bit and we're having the reading first. Would you mind giving us the reading? Okay, um, today I'm reading a poem that I wrote quite recently and it's called Ode to My City. Tram stuffed with faces, underground stuffed with smelly people, coffee house stuffed with intellectual coffee drinking newspaper reading people, street stuffed with people staring at their smartphones, park stuffed with trees, nice, air, bird, squirrel, bench, castle, cinema hall stuffed with bags of heads and messy hair, riverbend stuffed with water and fish and surfers, stand-up paddling, bus stuffed with prams and dogs, people fighting. Garden stuffed with plants and walls and houses, lift in the house, see-through, who's in it? Cat stuffed with tinned food, licking lips, meowing in my ear. Bed stuffed with me, sleeping to the sounds of horns and cars. Me stuffed with dreams and thoughts and feelings. That was really nice. There's some weird... I wouldn't say weird. <laughs> you can't say weird, it's There's fine. a lot in there. It's, it's, it's cool because it's... At the same time, a funny poem, and also there seems to be um, things that make you maybe uneasy, the (laughs) overcrowdedness of the city. Well, in a way, I guess, yeah, I mean, there are problems we all know in big cities with every place that's overcrowded, but at the same time, I really like it. Recently, I talked about my... I cannot explain it, but my love for riding on the underground, it's something that's in my DNA because I've done it ever since I can remember. I'm a big city girl. I'm from Vienna. And yeah, I, I dream of it. I love it. It's something that's... I love the, the, the act of getting in, going somewhere and getting out and then being somewhere else. I can't explain it. And I love looking at people and, and looking at what they do. How do they um, make time pass? Most of them look at their phones nowadays, but sometimes you spot somebody who's reading or listening to music or doing some other things. So I love that big places with a lot of people. But at the same time, of course, there are a lot of cars. It's loud. You have all the pollution. People are rude to each other. Also, a lot of um, cliches when you said um, intellectual people. Yeah, yes. Exactly. Those old Viennese coffee houses, when you go to them, you always, always, always see somebody reading a newspaper, drinking yeah. coffee, <laughs> reading the newspaper. Sometimes yeah. 
I mean, a long time ago, they even smoked a lot of cigarettes because now mm-hmm. they can't anymore in the place where I go because I don't sit in the smoking section. I always sit in the non-smoking section. But yeah, Is that's that, a cliche. Did I agree. you mean it as a criticism for that? Or was it more like just observing how people are in a way divided into that? It was more an observation, more an observation than a judgment. Yeah, because it's so interesting. You go to one place and you see people who are going to the underground with all their shopping and then a pram that they are pushing and maybe even a bicycle at the same time and you wonder, <laughs> oh my God, how, how does that work? And then you go to a coffee house and then you see somebody very like, yeah, very posh reading standard or something like that. <laughs> but there also, there seems to be some irony about that, right? Of course. You referring to the... Uh, in air quotes, intellectual people yeah. in the coffee house. Yeah, because I mean that whole um, atmosphere of these coffee houses is so special. I think it's it's one of the most special uh, things about Vienna, um, because the waiters all wear suits and are very seem very like appear kind of very distant, and they are very unfriendly usually because that's. Mm-hmm. Vienna so and those people who go there also kind of fit in maybe sometimes there even is somebody who plays the piano it's it's very very yeah specific I think and I think you also show that how they can differ according to the setting kind of because you talked about a smelly people (laughs) and the underground or yeah and then you move on to this posh sort Mm -hmm. of like culture I, of course, I mean, also probably somebody who read the newspaper at the coffee house goes home by riding on the underground and then also becomes smelly because they sweat in there and then they smell. <laughs> that's a connection. Uh-huh. And that's also why I love public transportation so much because it makes everybody the same. Yeah. We all use this vehicle to get to wherever we want. Mm. And for a short time, it makes us equal. It doesn't matter what job we have. It doesn't matter where we come from, what language we speak. We are there for the same purpose and it kind of unites us. It's like a mutual sphere for like mm-hmm. all this kind of different yeah, people. Exactly. It's amazing. I've never regarded public transportation as such a democratic <laughs> institution. <laughs> well, it's democratic as long as you have a ticket. As long as you have. <laughs> when I travel um, and if I have to use the public transport, it's very interesting to sit there and look at people. And I think that's like yes. coming back to what you talked about because yeah. then you can see all this like different kinds of people, not just one stereotype from that co- mm-hmm. country maybe, or like not one place that you've seen in that city, but like somewhere that everyone uh, from somewhere that people from everywhere can like sort of be in at the same time mm-hmm. exactly that's very interesting i agree <clears throat> um so you sort of said you found it very interesting to or you generally love riding buses trams whatever for me as an introvert it's very exhausting to do so I was wondering now, would you consider yourself more of an extrovert, taking in energy from different people? It depends. Mm-hmm. I think it depends on my level of trust, mm-hmm. in a way, that I have with people. 
strangely on a public transportation vehicle because I feel like we are united mm -hmm. this trust is more there than sometimes with acquaintances that I know I don't know why, but I've had the most hilarious and sweetest conversations on public transportation with strangers. <laughs> and it was so nice because, you know, you knew you were talking now for the five minutes that, or ten minutes maybe that you're spending together. And it was nice. You talked about, oh, what are you doing? Where are you going? Oh, nice. Nice to meet you. I enjoy the rest of your life. And then <laughs> it was over. But it, it's, it's so nice. It, it sweetens your day. <laughs> um, looking back to your poem, there's this line when you talk about entering the house and looking at who's currently in the escalator, something like that. In the lift. Oh yeah. Yeah. Where you um, kind of like want to know who's around, but it's not quite that clear, and you might know your neighbours just based on what they look like, but you don't know anything about their lives. Mm -hmm. That is something I find very interesting about the city life as well. Yeah, I agree. And I think you also, you captured the city and you captured the liveliness and the juxtapositions and you draw, you draw a very nice picture. Thanks. I, I fully agree. Um, it feels so, like it gives me the sense of what Vienna is like, like this crowdedness, this stuffedness, everything is just juxtaposed, um, the good and the bad and the beautiful and not so beautiful. I think you've you really managed to bring that across by repeatedly saying everything's stuffed. <laughs> So I would like to ask you, you, I mean, you did say that you really like the city life and you're a big city girl and mm -hmm. you've lived your life here um, in the big city. But would you ever think of or want to escape from this whole mess, let's say? Or I do. City life. Yeah. I have these feelings or that urge. I'm confessing something to you now. Um, I have a dream of one day having a house on a beach in Ireland. That sounds very good. Having a typewriter and a glass of whiskey and sitting there and writing and looking outside on the sea and a storm that's coming. Wow. So, I can yes, I'm, I have an urge for silence and for nature and I need that every once in a while. My summer holiday in Greece in September was just perfect because the internet connection was very bad um, <laughs> Sounds ideal. and Thank I love that <laughs> when I don't have internet I read and then my imagination starts to go wild mm -hmm. I mean wilder than usual which is not good probably but I love it and just getting up whenever you feel like it going outside to the balcony Waking up with sunrise, because you wake up at 7 o'clock, and that's when the sun rises in September in Greece. Seeing the sunrise, and then seeing the sea, and smelling the air, and it's beautiful. And of course I need that to escape from my daily routine, because it gets stressful. Yeah, I feel like um, big cities are making us detach from the from the nature especially and and for us writers or other kinds of artists we really need to be connected to the nature and 
I mean, through that to ourselves, basically. But would you ever think of moving out of the city or would you just consider vacations to escape? Um, what I could imagine is living on the border of a big city, something like close to the Danube in Vienna. Mm-hmm. So that's the most expensive area. I know, I know. That's why. That's why I would yeah. never live there because I will probably never be able to afford that. You never know. Unless I become the next J.K. Rowling, which is very likely, of course. Um, but I couldn't. What I know is that I couldn't live in the countryside for the reason that. I would hate to be dependent on a car. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can totally relate. I cannot. Mm-hmm. I cannot live wi- live with myself if I'm dependent on a car for so many reasons. Of course, for ecological reasons, and also I I don't have a driving license, and I will never get one because I'm dyslexic and I sometimes have problems with height and yeah length oh, perception, distance, distance perception. Mm-hmm which can become quite a problem when driving a car. Mm-hmm. So I would have, I would even need somebody who r- drives me everywhere, uh, which is yeah. insane because, yeah. of course, I cannot, whenever I want to go someplace, Makes have somebody like, who drives yeah. me. Yeah, but it's also the exact opposite of the big city, so that would be a huge change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. If, if, you, if you do become as successful as J.K. Rowling, you can have just, you can just have your private Drive. chauffeur. <laughs> <laughs> but then I could. that wouldn't go hand in hand with her ecological reasons yeah. Mm. Yeah. ideas. I mean, I do understand that a car can be a useful vehicle or tool mm-hmm. for moving or for traveling. I mean, they need a car because in their place there probably isn't a bar or anything, a club or anything like that, or a cinema, Mm -hmm. or just something you want to go to, which also makes sense. But then I would just think, why don't you make better bus systems? Why don't you make better public transportation for the countryside? Yeah, that's true. We were talking before about the contrast of cities and and the nature, but that is something I don't entirely buy because... um, Contrasting humans and nature is a false dichotomy. I mean, we are we humans are just as uh, just as much nature as everything else is nature. No, actually, what I meant was it wasn't the the crowd or the people in the cities, but I feel like um, you always need more buildings, you always need more concrete in yeah. the city, and yeah. in a way, you're not that connected to. I mean, you have parks, you have green spots, or so, but you don't really, I don't feel the smell of nature when I'm in a city. I don't, sure. like, I don't feel that authentic. I can feel that when I get away, I can see the difference. Mm-hmm. But There are those magic moments when you go someplace in the city, which is with a lot of nature, where there's a lot of green, where you have fantastic view. Mm-hmm. When you capture this one moment with complete silence. And that rarely happens, but when it does, mm. it's magical. Exactly. Mm. Mm-hmm. True. Still, I can relate very much to what um, you said before about Greece and what Ellie just said. Um, when you go places and you um, 
suddenly you find yourself somewhere by the seaside especially and you can hear the sea or you can hear all the birds suddenly and it's sometimes because I spent a lot of time in Greece almost every summer during my childhood and it was just this it's like undescribable but when you walk home no matter what daytime but especially during night and you just hear some animals but nothing else really and the sea yeah and that's it and sometimes in a city I feel like my head is exploding mm-hmm. I've got all these impressions and it's all too much yeah I agree um, and you fall into that um, routine kind of and you don't really even think of going to a park or, or the nature to just listen you're just running around the whole day mm-hmm. and then the rest of the time you're just exhausted to do anything at all I think this and can happen that's the danger yeah I, I'm sure people try to counteract it and also to, to to go to parks because we could see how full they are like people seek nature in a way but then the question is can you call that nature if you go to uh, Sigmund Freud Park and it's surrounded by four streets when there are cars of the inner city that's there's it's not that silent yeah right? but th- that's very interesting that you mentioned that because I that's actually what my poem is also about that you as person who lives in the city you experience all these things and you become a part of it and the city is stuffed with you but you are also mm-hmm. stuffed with the city True. because you have all these images that you get every day you see a lot you talk to people then you watch television you listen to radio you talk to somebody on the phone and that all stays with you the cars the horns the sounds the noise And then you expect it to be able to sleep. Of course, then your sleep is better on the countryside in the Mm -hmm. silence. That's what it all runs down to, right? Also, like in your poem where you go from those very, like, general observations of everyday life down into your flat, into your room, into your bed even, into your head. Yes. Which is very special. Exactly, because... It all ends up mm-hmm. in here, in my, in my so brain. Yeah. I mean, we've been in your brain all the time because <laughs> yes. everything was mediated through your brain. But yeah, true. Can I get from... It's a journey from outside experiences to private yeah. home experiences. Mm-hmm. Or I, I feel like you can almost see that you're consuming the city. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like a, a day in the life. <laughs> a day in the life of Charlotte. <laughs> Was this what all your days in the city are like? Mm. Crowded, stuffed with smelly people? Most of the time, yes, because most of the time I'm using U6. <laughs> but I, I love the U6. I yeah, live, me too. I live on the U6 as well. And me it's, too. It's always an adventure. Yeah, it's, it's my favorite subway. All the other subways are boring. The I beam, like the boring. Beam, the I find it peaceful. <laughs> I think the most boring underground line is U4. Because U4, it goes I love from it. Posh For that reason. Posh too posh. Mm. Yeah, that's actually, that's true. I was gonna say, that's my favorite. <laughs> you're, 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 you're so posh, Ellie. I'm too good for that. 
is the perfect of trying to fall asleep and there's car horns, especially that you you kind of separated the horns and the cars and you made the horns come before the cars. <laughs> I find that incredibly ingenious. Yeah, yeah. That's all you perceive, right? You don't yeah. perceive the cars per se, but it's like, or maybe just once yeah, the fire. Like when somebody is listening to music in a car at night very loudly with an open window the first thing you perceive when you're lying in bed is the music mm-hmm. and then you realize oh okay it's coming from a car yeah from a stupid person who's mm. keeping me from sleeping so i get the feeling this is quite different from what you usually write you usually write mostly prose but also some poems right and how did it feel for you to write something different I welcome this surprise um, because all of a sudden I just sat down and wrote like I usually do but it was um, different this time because something like this came out and yes I write prose mostly but I do write poems too the poems I usually write are different though in a way that I think they are more Adhering to the classical um, structure of a poem, most of them rhyme. Mm-hmm. Um, not all of them, but no, no, no. Okay. I don't write sonnets, but <laughs> they are yeah, just classical poems, mm-hmm. like with rhymes and a few lines, and mm-hmm. that's it. And, and content-wise, anything similar to this one? Um, maybe for the German poems I wrote, but not so much for the English ones. There's one in German that I wrote about... Actually, I think all of my poems are about love, in a way. Um, One poem is about a lost lover, but it's also about um, (laughs) cold hands in winter and uh, warming them up by buying Maroni, whatever that is in English, Mm -hmm. um, because they are hot and they make your hands warm. And then people talking and saying, oh, Mahoney uh, look like brains. And then somebody <laughs> says, yeah, and so do walnuts. <laughs> that's the poem. <laughs> that is cute. But it's, it's about yearning for this conversation with this person mm. that you had mm-hmm. because you lost this person and you mm. think about that moment. Right. That's basically what it's about. I mean, I never had a conversation like that with anyone, but... It's something that I thought about when I ate Maroni. I realized uh, they look like brains. Oh, uh, yeah. Mm. What else looks like brains? Walnuts. Okay. So that's in a way a conversation you had with yourself. Kind of, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. Isn't any, any conversation you have in some way a conversation with yourself? Very good question. Very philosophical. Yes. I, I suppose so. Unless you're talking to somebody who is a complete stranger. Because if you talk to people you know well, they usually talk about topics that you're familiar with. Still, you're interpreting everything somebody else says yeah. through your own lens. Yeah, true. Translating it into your own Very thoughts. true. But regarding it that way also makes one a little bit lonely, doesn't it? Because it feels like you're having a conversation just with yourself all the time and you can never get through and reach... The truth, the essence of what someone mm. just said. But that's like a fundamental problem of being human, not being able to to put your essence into words. 
it just depends on the way you look at it. There's this fantastic place uh, close to Vienna called Herrn Baumgarten, where they have a museum of nonsense, and it's called Nonseum. You <laughs> should do it. It's it's a really great thing to do. They also have a um, a hiking trail for lonely socks because everybody loses a sock in their life, and you're supposed to bring the lonely sock and hang it up there. Oh, it's really really good. And in this exhibition of this museum, there is a telephone that's called um, self-conversation telephone and it's described by saying this is the best con telephone conversation you will ever have because uh, the person on the other side of the line is so sympathetic and you have so much to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, can we do this as a creative writing society? Can we so, do a group excursion? Uh, yeah. yeah, please, I would love to. So as long as you're comfortable with yourself and as long as you are your friend, mm. I think there's no harm in being with yourself or being alone with yourself. And I think even that lover you talked about could refer to yourself because in a yeah. way you are with yourself and you love yourself and you're... Your lover, in a way. <laughs> That's true. Like what if my ideas bore me to death and I just want to get someone else's ideas and learn something new and different and not just repeat my own self-repeating talk? Dear Livia, you come to the Friday Universe sessions and your problems are solved. <laughs> true, true, true. The promotion. <laughs> Can we have the jingle? <laughs> no, but sometimes I struggle... That's something that I find so immensely frustrating, namely feeling that you don't even entirely understand yourself mm -hmm. because I don't know. Do you have? A, do you feel like you you have a clue of what the entirety of yourself even is? I must say that I do, <laughs> but I think I'm very, very alone with that answer because most people I know would say they have no idea who or what they are. Because I knew what I wasn't good at and I started to discover what I was good at because I started to write when I was nine because I had that weakness with numbers. I developed this creativity and, yeah, with words. So actually... A lot of those questions that people ask themselves still at my age or maybe even when they're 70 or 80 years old, like, who am I? What am I good at? What do I want with life? I've asked myself all those questions. And I must say that now I'm very comfortable with myself and I know who I am and what I want mm -hmm. and what I don't want. That's an amazing thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I do believe in something that's called productive suffering in the sense that those traumatic um, situations or I'd rather say eras in your <laughs> life um, teach you something yeah. fundamental about yourself. I still find it for myself quite difficult or to... Like, I would... So the things I'm good at or bad at are only just a part of who I am. There's so much more around this. I don't even know what there is, how far I can go, how deep I should dig, because it can also be very hurtful. And psychoanalyzing yourself can also get very dark. 
Of course, yeah. But it's I like mean, a never-ending process, I think. That's why when you said, like, what if I'm tired of um, being in a loop with my own thoughts mm-hmm. and then maybe need somebody else. Of course, you would need somebody else at some point in your but, life. But it's like never-ending with your own struggle or with you. And, thinking. I mean, you always surprise yourself. Mm-hmm. You At some point, you will have a thought that you didn't expect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. Or you have a feeling that, you didn't expect and mm-hmm. then you can have something else to think about and then it's not boring anymore yeah. <laughs> it's embracing your own change also yeah exactly discovering yeah. new things about yourself yeah. and I think some things are in there and somehow unless you search for them or you talk to yourself they don't come out like they're just there somehow in the background but you don't really find out until you actually look for them. Mm-hmm. Or something traumatic happens. I yeah, think. like... Then mm-hmm. those things are triggered and, like, thrown out, coming out into your consciousness. And, like, yeah, and I think there are things that one might never be able to deal with because they're part of your personality mm-hmm. and they are inscribed in you. Mm-hmm. I think that's something hard to grapple with, that... Not all suffering is productive. There is such a thing as suffering that's just that's just pure suffering. It, it doesn't lead to anything. It's, it has no it has no good outcomes. There's nothing to learn from it. It's just yeah. It's just what it is, and you can't do anything about it. I guess what you can learn from that is that it passes, and that it makes you stronger. That it won't stay like that forever. Yeah. But I know what you mean, like that sometimes this self-imposed suffering you choose because you think it fits your situation um, instead of turning yourself around or giving your, like putting your fears behind or working through them. Um, I think suffering can sometimes also be, I wouldn't call it like comfortable choice but it's the one where you sometimes don't need to confront things or work through them or make a step forward I know that from a friend of mine who's just you know bathing in things that could be changed I think that is a shame and it's sometimes very sensitive people being like that because suffering seems to be an inherent part of their everyday life already. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. Nobody can help them apart from themselves. That's and the if thing. they don't yeah. do anything, then they must stay the way they are, unfortunately. Yeah. But and it's just the most difficult part, right, to you to watch somebody yeah. suffering and then you're like, I, I can want relate to, to that, take yes. you out there, but I can't because only you can. Yeah. yeah. Um, this line in the song... Um, that was very famous a couple of years ago. What's it called? Somebody that I used to know. Oh, mm. right. And he good. says, um, you can get a- addicted to a certain kind of sadness. Yeah. And I think that applies it's like, very well. It's almost like a melancholy yeah. that becomes mm. your comfort zone. Mm. And True. avoiding you from facing the pain. Mm. But I also heard um, um, something. I don't know if it was a song lyric or if it was just like from a poem. But it said... The only way to avoid pain is to go through it. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, avoiding maybe is not a good word here, yeah. but like get rid of it at mm-hmm. least is to go through it. So unless, I mean, I do believe that some things are thrown in our ways just for us to work on ourselves. And I think that that's the whole purpose of life because it's never ending process. You just have to keep on working on yourself and get to know yourself. And it's not enough, seriously. Even if you keep working until you're 80, mm-hmm. you're just never, you're never there. Mm-hmm. So I feel like unless you actually find a way to work on... I mean, you don't have to get over them. Just know them and know mm-hmm. that, like, when the pain comes, like, you just know how to endure mm-hmm. it, how to yeah. go through it, even though maybe you don't get over mm-hmm. it. But, um yeah, so I feel like those things, like, they all have a reason. It's just for us to work on them. Maybe, yeah, maybe it's not so much about getting rid of the pain and getting rid of all the problems but being better equipped to work through them yeah how did we end up talking about such philosophical (laughs) no i mean like sad things like suffering and pain connection with your poem yes (laughs) i'm so sorry about that but i mean it's a compliment for me because i i made you feel something (laughs) you definitely made us feel something (laughs) And I think we'll we'll end this episode on this very philosophical note and leave our listeners maybe thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hopefully not devastated. Hopefully not <laughs> devastated. This was episode four of the Universe Podcast. If you enjoyed it and would like to hear more of us, make sure to subscribe to the Universe Podcast wherever you listen to it. While you're at it, we'd be delighted if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. The reviews on iTunes help people discover our podcast. And tell all your friends about it. Comments? Questions? You can reach us on Twitter, we're at PodUniverse, on Facebook, or on our email address, podcast at universe.univ.org. This podcast was edited and hosted by Leonhard Engelmeyer. The co-host was Elif Melskabalji. Our guest was Charlotte Zatz. The editorial board for this episode was made up of Livia Regen, who also joined us in this episode. I hope you visit this planet in the universe again. In the meantime, stay safe in space. Thank you for listening.